Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But the mother said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what names he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered and said, What then will this child become? For indeed the hand of the Lord was with him. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of the servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The Lord grew, the child grew, and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So I almost wasn't Megan. When I was born at 28 weeks, my parents were still deciding between two names, Megan and Sarah. My mom sent my dad into the newborn ICU to take a look at me and decide which name suited me better. He came back burst into the room and excitedly declared, I've got it! Her name is Melissa! <laughs> My mom sent him back to try again. <laughs> they decided on Megan because it means strong, and Louise, my middle name, is a family name which means warrior, so I am Megan Louise, a strong warrior. When we were choosing a name for the child, who is now known as Lillian Junia, we wanted something that was meaningful and gave inspiration to the person that she might grow to be. So she is named after Eric's great-aunt Lillian, a bold, fiery, independent woman who took on the matriarchal role in my father-in-law's family when their biological mother left the family in chaos. We chose Junia after another bold and courageous woman, the first female apostle in the Bible. So we hope that Lily will embody these ideals of faithfulness, strength, boldness, courage, and compassion, 
as she lives into her big name, as we call it. We took a similar approach with Milo. Milo can mean merciful or mild and calm. We'll see how that works out for us. His middle name, Thomas, came from my grandfather, whose love, compassion, and strength have made a huge difference in my life and the life of my siblings. And so we hope that Milo, too, will grow into these qualities. And I tell you all this because I don't think you care that much about why we named our kids their names, but we hear about John. John as a baby today and the way that he is named. John is the name that the angel gave to Zechariah for this baby, and it means God is gracious. The crowd wonders uh, at John's debut in the temple, so to speak, who will this child be? And Zechariah answers with his song of prophecy. But to really understand his song, we need to know a little bit more about Zechariah's story. We heard some of it uh, in the children's time. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. And like so many key figures in the Old Testament, Zechariah was an old priest. And like so many of those Old Testament figures, Zechariah was also childless. He and his wife Elizabeth uh, were not able to have any children. We're told that Elizabeth was a relative of Mary, meaning that she was probably part of the large extended family or clan that Mary also belonged to, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And Zechariah was mute. Because once when he was serving as a priest before God and he was chosen to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense, that's when the angel Gabriel decided he would show up and announced to him that Elizabeth would finally have a child. The child that would be the fulfillment of the word promised by another prophet, Malachi, that the prophet of Elijah would return before the great and terrible day of the Lord to turn the hearts of parents and children to each other. So there's layers upon layers of prophecy and prophets in this story. When Zechariah was a little bit skeptical about this promise, he and Elizabeth, like Abraham and Sarah and so many before them, were kind of old to have kids. Gabriel lost it a little bit, and he hit the mute button on Zechariah. Zechariah is mute until the moment that he names his son, and then immediately his mouth is open, his tongue is freed, and he begins to speak, praising God. And he does more than this. He sings a song of the Holy Spirit. We sometimes think of prophecy as uh, predicting the future, but really, in this story, it is a moment that God's Holy Spirit breaks into the ordinary and mundane world, bringing with it God's preferred and promised future. Zechariah's spirit-empowered poem recalls God's promises from the Old Testament all the way until that day. The words of promise to David that he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from old, and the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, the promise of salvation from enemies, of redemption from danger, of freedom to love and serve God in holiness and righteousness. 
And the song then goes on to announce that these promises continue to be kept in the nearly twin arrivals of John and Jesus. And John's own role would be to serve as prophet of the Most High. Zechariah sings to his son, You will go before the Lord and prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness, darkness and the shadow of death, to guide feet in the way of peace. And this part of the song for me is the most beautiful, especially as we think about it during this season. There are times in our lives and in our life together as God's people when problems grow and it is difficult to see a way forward. When it seems as though all hope for the future has reached a dead end. But in the Bible, we are encountered by a God for whom there are no dead ends. Maybe detours, but not dead ends. In scripture, we are encountered by a God who works for good, even when we mess things up. A God who specializes in making a way in the wilderness, opening up a future when none seems possible. And so we can claim Zechariah's song as our own today. We see that faint light on the horizon, and we await the full and dazzling light of God's incarnation in Jesus Christ. And we find ourselves now in between, standing in that moment of already and not yet. The light has dawned, but sometimes, or a lot of times, it doesn't seem yet to have reached the deepest darknesses inside and around us. That's the shadow of death. And the fear that comes from that can leave us frozen. We've all experienced those kinds of moments, that kind of sorrow or loss. When the chaos of the world is too much to bear, we sit in that shadow. When the diagnosis is positive and the prognosis is not optimistic, we sit in the shadow. When the job is lost and the source of the next check is a mystery, we sit in the shadow. When we fail to love as we are called to love, we sit in the shadow. When thousands of children suffer from undernourishment and preventable disease, we sit in the shadow. I'm sure you can add your own piece to this list where we sit in the shadow. The claim of Christmas that we will celebrate in just a few days is that God broke through the darkness. As Zechariah said, because of God's compassion, the dawn from heaven will break upon us to give light to those who sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us on the path of peace. And that idea can seem overwhelming as we sit in those shadows. Where will that peace come from? What will that look like? When will it finally arrive? And like, how are we supposed to end all of the war and all of the conflicts and make sure that life becomes some perpetually happy utopia? But I'm not sure that that's the peace that Zechariah is talking about. That might be part of it. But I think maybe Zechariah 
is leading us towards something more like the popular quote that shows up on refrigerator magnets. It says peace. It does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. It means to be in the midst of these things and still be calm in your heart. I have that hanging on my refrigerator to remind me of the peace of Christ that passes all understanding, that infiltrates even the chaos of our lives to bring stillness to our heart. A peace that we can strive for by waiting and listening and resting as we prepare the way of the Lord. John grew up to fulfill the prophecy, to be the voice in the wilderness that cried out, prepare the way of the Lord. And John is called to tell the people how to be saved through the forgiveness of sins. And we can partner with John in bringing that peace and preparing the way of the Lord. Because being a prophet is not about having magical powers or being touched by angels. It's about speaking God's truth to the ones who need it. It's about doing the next right thing to guide our feet into that way of peace. So use what you have been given to do as John did. You have it. Prepare the way of the Lord. Show people the way of salvation. Find those that sit in the shadow of death and sit next to them. Hold their hand. Weep with them. Give them love. Bring peace. Show them the light and declare that the dawn is coming. And may the Holy Spirit guide us all on that path of peace. Amen.